Welcome to your IVF Abroad podcast, where I will share, educate and empower you on your journey with infertility and IVF Abroad. I'm Emma Haslam, your host, mum via treatment abroad and the IVF Abroad expert. Since the birth of my son in 2018, I have made it my mission to make fertility treatment more transparent, accessible, supported and affordable. I now help people around the world just like you to find a safe, best fit clinic, have fertility treatment and achieve their dreams of starting or expanding their families. And I'm here now to help you too. Hello and welcome to this... I can't speak. Hello and welcome to this fortnight's episode of the podcast with me, Emma Haslam. The reason I can't speak is just because I've just recorded this podcast and then deleted it by mistake. <laughs> so I'm back again um, talking to you today about how to get the best out of your consultations abroad. But before I do that, I just want to let you know about what's happening with the podcast. So when I started um, earlier this year, I said I'd keep going while it feels good and it still feels really good. I've really enjoyed doing it and I'm getting great feedback from people. Um, but at some point, I need to wrap up series one. Now, I'm on episode 18, which I feel like is not the right number to finish season one on. <laughs> I feel like I need to, to finish on 20. I don't know why. Just just feels right. It also feels like that would be the kind of back end of December. And that feels like a good time for me to pause because I want to come back in season two. I'll do some solo episodes as well, but I want to come back and bring in some guests from the world of fertility, infertility, and also some other people who have had fertility treatment abroad as well. If there's anybody that you'd like me to approach to come as a guest on the podcast, please do let me know. Drop me an email on hello at uk, and I will um try and bring that person on um so i'll probably bring the podcast back around about mid to end of february in 2023 um but there's plenty of plenty of podcasts here to listen to if you haven't listened to them all and i will still be blogging i generally blog twice a week so if you want to read my blog then you can go to your ivf abroad uk forward slash blog i'll drop my email address and i'll drop that um in the show notes as well so there'll be lots of content there for you to to look at and you know hopefully season one has given you a really broad brush overview of kind of my story um you know in the hope that people feel less alone but also some information about having fertility treatment abroad and what it's like and some of the things that you need to think about and do so that it can help you to start working out whether or not it's an option for you um so yeah let me know who you would like me to speak to I've got a list of people that I want to approach I've no idea how technically I'm going to do it but I will figure that out afterwards and I'm excited I'm excited not just to be hearing my own voice all of the time so on to the episode, how are we going to get the best out of the medical consultations abroad for you? So 
first things first is I would get the baseline tests that you need doing for your treatment done for consultation. Some clinics will say to you they don't need them to have a consultation. That's fine if you only want to have a bit of a meet and greet in the first instance and then send the results and then come back and review them with a doctor later. But ideally, get refreshed results that are no older than three months old because you'll notice that different clinics say different things on, on what results they'll accept. And then book your consultations in with the doctor for after these test results have been sent to the clinic. It just means that way that you're going to have a much more accurate consultation with that doctor. You know, they've got a real clear picture of, of where things are at, which means that you're going to get, you know, a much more, what's the word? Like the plan that they come up with is going to be much more suited to you than using results that are perhaps a year, a year old um, or, you know, or deciding to meet a clinic for a meet and greet, but then not discuss being able to discuss a treatment plan because the doctor hasn't got your results. I think you need to be able to sit down in front of them, even if that's like via video link, which is a lot of people have the consultations on video link, to understand what their, their treatment plan suggestions are going to be, particularly if you're going to speak to more than one clinic because you need to be able to compare and contrast. So while it might feel like, oh, I just really want to speak to a clinic quickly, it might feel like it's speeding up the process. It's not really. It's just doing it in a different way. Um, because actually, if you get everything ready, all your baseline tests ready for consultation, then in theory, as long as the doctor doesn't require you to do any more tests, then you will be ready to go in your next cycle if you want to. You don't have to. Um, you can get everything ready and, and pause and then say where you want to go ahead. But you would have everything you know you need to get to go ahead and have your treatment. When you make your consultation, um, make sure you have one with the doctor. That might sound like a weird thing to say. Some clinics, you'll have a chat with a, with a coordinator who um, is the person that helps to kind of look after you and be that kind of central person between you and the doctor. Um, then you have a call with the doctor. So you might talk to the coordinator about logistics and then in prices and things like that. And then talk to the doctor about your medical questions and, and, and their opinion. Um, but I really recommend that, you know, you don't just liaise with the coordinator and then do all of your liaising with the doctor via email. I do think that it's important that you've got that connection with the doctor and that you've got opportunity to ask that doctor question, you know, in real life, even if that is over video. And on the subject of questions, you know, do write a list of questions before you go into consultations. Some of them might be logistics, pricing, ask those to your coordinator, but the medical questions obviously say for the doctor, do not, please do not be afraid to ask questions. Like I was so scared of asking questions back then. You might not believe that now, but I didn't know what to ask. I felt like I shouldn't ask, couldn't ask. Um, and a lot of my clients will say like, oh, you know, I don't know what to ask, Emma. And, you know, if they've had, say, state-funded treatment, they've been maybe... F- they maybe feel like they've had to be grateful for anything that they've been given and therefore they've not been able to feel like they're in a position to ask questions. But you must remember you're now going to be going privately and, you know, you are going to be spending money, a substantial amount of money, whether or not it's cheaper abroad, you know, it's still a substantial amount of money. And so, you know, ask questions and don't be afraid because good clinics will welcome your questions. And it's really good actually to kind of judge how 
you know, if they're patient and kind and helpful um, and you understand them and that kind of thing. So, yeah, ask questions. And if you've got a partner, it's really good for you both to be there at the consultation. Um, I think you always need two people, ideally. Um, you know, if you're single, is there somebody that can come and support you? Because it's a lot of information to take in. And, you know, the clinic may send a summary following the consultation. They might not, but they might. But it's good to have somebody kind of writing down answers and just having two of you. So afterwards you can say, did they say this? And did I understand that correctly? And, um, you know, and go back with any follow-up questions that you have as well after your consultations. And then you need to understand from the clinic, is there any waiting lists? So generally the answer is no, but at certain times of the year in certain countries, there can be a waiting list or there can be a backlog. Um, and if you're having donor conception treatment, you know, you need to understand how quickly they can match you um, to, you know, a donor or donors, um, because that can vary. But, there, you know, there is a process to go through. Even if there isn't a waiting list, there is a process to to go through for that. Um, just so you can start to kind of have a think about, you know, when you could be having your your treatment. And then the final couple of things is, you know, before you've got to consultations, I'm presuming that you will have picked these clinics based on, you know, the, the fact that you've done your due diligence and you've checked that they're safe and they're registered and they're regulated and that they specialise in what you need and that you can have your treatment um, in those countries based on your circumstances and at those clinics. Then... You will need to understand from the doctor and coordinator, what are the next steps if you choose this clinic? So what do you have to do next? What will the plan be? What can you expect following the call? Is it a, you know, a post-consultation report? Do you need to go away and do anything um, before you have your treatment? Are further tests needed? What, what is needed? So you've got a clear plan. Um, and, you know, at that point, you when you've got your treatment plan, you can firm up costings with the clinic. So you'll have had an idea of costings based on, let's say you were having donor egg, you'll have an idea of, of those costings. Um, but until you get your actual treatment plan, you know, and you go with the, with the, you decide which of the recommendations you want to go with, you might not know the exact price, more so if it's own egg treatment. Um, but just good at this point to get an understanding of costs and how and when things need to be paid for. So if you're planning and budgeting, you can kind of work that out as well. So I hope that's been helpful. Um, you know, generally, I would say speak to two or three clinics. Um, three is good. I wouldn't say speak to any more than that, unless you have your three and then you think, oh, actually, none of them suit me. Um, but if you've done your homework and your research, you should be able to narrow it down to three. Um, and I think you'll get a really good sense then as to who is right to you, right for you um, if you follow this guidance and then, you know, who it is that you kind of gel with because it's down to, a lot of it's down to personal preference as well. If you've kind of ticked all the other boxes and done all of that stuff around your homework and asking questions, it then comes down to, you know, who feels right um, for you, who, you know, who do you feel like you trust to manage something so important and who's going to give you the kind of care that, that suits you. Um so yeah, that's it for this week. I will see you soon. Thank you for listening to your IVF Abroad podcast with me, Emma Haslam. If you're interested in finding out if IVF Abroad could be right for you, then download my free checklist. 
at yourivfabroad.co.uk forward slash who is IVF abroad for.